You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Take your Bible to look into Psalm 122, as has been said, Psalm 122 tonight, and you'll be familiar with at least the first verse of this psalm. We're going to go through all of it this evening and see what God has to say through, to us through His Word. And it's been good to be in church tonight, and the singing's been good, and the Spirit's been good, and thank you for coming and being faithful uh, to the house of God. And I'm praying that God will speak to us about this thought. I've enjoyed Psalm 122. I've never really gone through this psalm from top to bottom, all the way through. I had uh, known the first verse, quoted the first verse, but on purpose had to take time to study it this week, and I'm praying God will speak to our heart about the truth that's in Psalm 122. And uh, look with me here at the scripture, if you would. And I was joking earlier about that announcement with the artificial intelligence, but I do want to just put a plug in and say that doesn't need to be used for sermon prep or Sunday school lesson prep. Amen right there. The Holy Spirit is good enough and the scripture is good enough. We don't need a robot. I'm worried about that in the Bible college especially. And seriously, and you can tell when you read it, but just be careful with that. Be real careful with it. Anyway, Psalm 122, verse number 1. I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compact together. Whither the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, under the testimony of Israel, to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. For there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, they shall prosper that love thee. Peace be within thy walls, and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions' sakes, I'll now say, peace be within thee. Because of the house of the Lord. Isn't that a, that's a good way to live your life, by the way. Because of the house of the Lord, our God, I'll seek thy good. I want to draw your attention to the first three words of the psalm. I said we'll go through all of it, but I want you to see the sentiment by the psalmist that's mentioned here look what he says i was glad when he got the invitation to go when he was invited to join in corporate worship when he was part of the congregation got the opportunity to be part of it he said you know what that kind of makes me happy i'm kind of looking forward to it Uh, there's something within me that wants to be a part of that crowd that's going to that place and for that reason to worship God. I believe today we see a steady decline in church attendance because there's a strong decline in biblical literacy and also a serious decline in genuine spirituality. It is all connected. Someone who is spiritual and someone who loves the Bible will love church. That's not even a controversial statement. You either have to agree or be wrong when I say that. Thank you, Jason. Somebody who loves the Bible and who is halfway spiritual is going to love church. Tonight I want to preach on this thought, songs that pilgrims sing. Here is this song. I think he's saying this, and don't get scared with the word. I, I think he's saying, I want to worship. He wants to worship. He wants to go to church. Let's pray. God, I pray for your help tonight. I pray that you'd stir us about the truth. 
And I pray that we'd uh, understand the passage and apply it to our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 118, verse 24 says, This is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. The word glad means joy or pleasure. Gladness is expressed by showing cheerfulness and enthusiasm. I read an illustration about a Presbyterian church, and they're not allowed to make any kind of vocal expression of gladness there. No amens, no hallelujahs. Yeah, just like that. But anyway, they're, they're, they're just dead. And so they gave every parishioner a balloon, and they said, when the pastor says something that makes you glad, release your balloon. Well, during the message, about five balloons went up in the air, and then at the end of it, just about 95% of the people still had their balloons in their hand. There was nothing said during the service that made them glad. I wonder tonight what it is that makes you glad. What brings you joy? What do you get excited about? What is it that when you hear about it, or you get a chance to partake in it, you're glad? The Psalms are songs of praise, and they're also songs of sacrifice. The children of God in the Old Testament had a number of sacrifices that they offered. During the lifespan of a Jewish person that lived in the Old Testament era, they would partake in a number of offerings or sacrifices to the Lord. For example, here's a few. There was a sin offering. There was a burnt offering. There was a peace offering. And there are many others as well. But over and over again, they would take animals or incense or other items and they would offer a sacrifice to Jehovah. But one of the sweetest sacrifices that could be made was referred to as the sacrifice of praise. In fact, as the people of God sang many of these psalms, they sang them as a sacrifice of praise unto the Lord. The Bible calls this the fruit of their lips. The sacrifice of praise was made from a humble heart of gratitude, given to God for His goodness and reverence for His greatness. As they gave the sacrifice of praise, they were lifting up their voices and giving unto the Lord the glory that was due His name. In Jeremiah 33 and verse 11, it says, The voice of joy, the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, and the voice of the bride, the voice of them that shall say, Praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for His mercy endureth forever, and of them that shall bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. In this dispensation, there are not a number of sacrifices that we can make and offer to our God. In fact, there are really two sacrifices that we can make. The first is a living sacrifice. That is the sacrifice of your life, a life given to God to bring glory to His name. But secondly, we can still make that sacrifice of praise or that sacrifice of our lips, and we use our voice to bring glory and honor to His name. In Hebrews 13 and verse 15, Here's what the Bible said. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. To our God, one of the most acceptable and satisfying sacrifices is the sacrifice of praise and glory offered to him by a heart that truly wants to worship the Lord. It is adoration from a heart that wants to give the adoration. 
It is glory from the mouth that wants to give the glory. It is blessing from the soul that wants to bless the name of our Heavenly Father. I think we can look at it like this. God gets glad when you and I are glad over our God. Psalm 22 and verse 3 tells us God inhabits the praises of his people. Psalm 104 and verse 34, the Bible said, My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in him. Psalm 32, 11, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous. Shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. It is not just the motion, and this is introduction, it is not just the motion of putting our proverbial sacrifice on the altar and coldly leaving it there because it's expected or demanded that pleases God. But it is the action of a heart of pure love and the unadulterated joy of pleasing the Heavenly Father that really brings glory and honor to the God that we serve. Here's the testimony. I am doing this because I want to. I am serving you because I want to. I love you because I want to. Everything in my life, I want to give it all to God to bring glory to His name. That is real praise and that is real worship. The psalmist says it like this, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. What he's saying is this, I want to go. I'm not coerced to go. I'm not going to go begrudgingly. I'm glad to go to the house of my God. Think about it. He is not headed to Jerusalem as a sightseer. He is headed as a worshiper. There's a number of things in the city that others might long to see, but the primary objective of this man and the hammer that rang the joy bell deep in his soul was to go and give thanks unto the Lord. It is a good place to get in the Christian life when your want to centers upon worshiping Christ and planting yourself in the house of God. That is a rich and bountiful and fruitful Christian life when the Christian is not after money, he is not after pleasure, he is not after success, he is not after comfort, but he is driven to bring honor and glory to God and to worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. That is a life that is like the alabaster box that is broken and poured out. That is like a Mary that finds herself planted at the feet of Jesus. That is the testimony, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. That is the truth that in thy presence is fullness of joy. True worship requires arrested attention. It is a one-way look, a one-way focus, and a one-way agenda. It removes secondary obstructions and sideline interests and pours out itself and crucifies pride. I thought about this real worship is no contingency plan. There's nothing held back. It is not distracted. It is not divided. It is purposely devoted. Zero percent of real worship is about the gratification of the worshiper. One hundred percent is about the glorification of the one deserving the worship. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 31, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. For you and I tonight, true worship is God-centered. It is God-concerned and it is God-commending. This was to mark the worship of the tabernacle. That was the mark of the worship in the temple. And let me say that ought to be the mark of the worship in the New Testament church of God. Ephesians 3 and verse 20, unto him be glory in the church. Psalm 104 
before, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Psalm 115 verse 1, praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Psalm 96, 8, give unto the Lord the glory do his name. You see what I'm talking about is this, gladness to go to the house of God is far more about faithful attendance. It is about the right kind of attitude. It is not just the atmosphere. It is not just the attire. It is the adoration and the affection and the motivation of heart that says I want to go not to be seen but to lift up my voice and join in the anthem and sing praise unto the God who died for me. We live in a world today that is increasingly disconnected from reality on purpose. It used to be the, the telephone was the great connector and now the telephone is the great disconnector. We used to use the telephone to reach out to somebody and interact. Now we use it for self-indulgence and self-gratification. And the problem is we are falling into that same trap even in Christianity where we are buying this lie that we do not need fellowship, that we do not need this congregational kind of experience in the Christian life, and we can be a lone wolf or a sheep out of the fold and somehow still make it in the spiritual walk. Can I say that is not true? You and I need more than church on the couch and church on the screen and church by ourselves. We need the fellowship of the saints. And this man says... I don't want to be disconnected. I'm excited to get connected. I mean, I want to go where everybody else is going. I want to be around the crowd that wants to be around God. I want to show my devotion and learn some doctrine, have fellowship and get fed. He wanted to see it. He wanted to see the skyline of Jerusalem pop into view as he traveled there. He wanted his ears to hear the shout firsthand. He wanted to walk through the gate of the tabernacle and later the temple. He wanted to join in worship shoulder to shoulder with the brethren and engulf himself in the presence of God. He said, I can't wait to go. I want to hear the scripture read. I want to sing the Psalms. I want to watch the priest as he ministers. I want to see the Levites as they serve. And I want to hear the instruments as they're played. I don't want to be off somewhere. I want to be right there in the center of it. What we have here is this, a motivated worshiper. He didn't have to get pumped, primed, bribed or begged. All they needed was an invitation to go to God's house. He said, I'm glad to go with the crowd that's headed that way. He was motivated to worship and his attitude about it was gracious anticipation. When the invitation fell on that man's ears, it made him happy. When he heard where the caravan was headed, he said, I'm going to get in on that caravan. His heart leaped within his breast when the news came, we're headed to the house of God. Listen to this statement. It was only natural that if he loved the God of the house, surely he longed to be in the house of the God. If he loved that God, he wanted to be as close to him as he could get. He didn't hesitate. He didn't ponder it. He didn't put it off. He said, I'm glad to go. I love the church. I want to go to the house of God. The house of the Lord was his desire. The presence of God was his pursuit. The glory of God was his goal. He wanted to worship. He found a lot of reason to be glad to go. When it was mentioned to him, we might go to God's house, he thought, boy, do you mean the God that did this for me? 
The God who's been real in my life, the God who's provided and put food on my, you mean we're going to go to his house? I don't want to be left, I want to go to his house. But here's the sad truth, that pilgrim would be a strange oddity if he was to join the throngs of Christian Christians in modern day society. He would stand out like the sun at night or a sore thumb. He'd look like he wasn't in the right place. This man was ready to race to worship. He wanted to go to Jerusalem. He wanted to be where God was. He was going to be one of those, uh, those men right in the midst of it. But today, he'd be a fringe fanatic. He'd be one of those zealous oddballs. He'd look weird to the average casual Christian. Contemporary culture would not say, I was glad. They might say, I was mad. Some would say, I'm sad. But he said, I'm glad. Now listen, the sentiment has not changed. Just the place we want to run to has. We still have the same want within us. But our want is leading us other places. You still find Christians running off with crowds. Everybody all right? You'll find Christians running today to a lot of places, just not the house of God. They'll lift up their voice over a lot of things, just not the name of Jesus. They have a lot of things that make them glad, but worship probably isn't one of them. You can invite them to the ball field, and they'll go, or the lake, and they'll go, and the average Christian will show up at the mall or the show, but then say, how about we go and worship God? And they say, well, I don't know. They kind of hang back and drag their feet. How sad it is that the Christian today is not like the psalmist was in his day. Psalm 132, verse 7, we will go into his tabernacles. We will worship at his footstool. Big statements. You can't be right with God if you're not right with your Bible. Wait, you can't be right with God if you're not right with your church. You can read the words of this pilgrim and sense the majesty and the wonder he felt toward the city. David had conquered Jerusalem and provided them this place to worship. He had fought for that hill, if you will. And provided them the, the tabernacle and then later the temple would be built. And they would worship at this place. And it was beautiful and majestic and they'd never seen anything like it. And the average pilgrim would just make that trip there every so often. You find in these Psalms of Ascent, they sang them going toward Jerusalem for the feast days of Israel. There's seven different feasts. Probably three they went, but seven. There was the feast of Passover. That's where they celebrated the fact God delivered them. There was the feast of unleavened bread. They celebrated that God rained down bread from heaven. The feast of first fruits. God gave them a bountiful harvest. There is the feast of Pentecost where they would start the year over again. God had been faithful and watched over them all throughout the previous year. There is the feast of trumpets that reminded them that God cared for his children. There is the feast of the atonement reminding them that God was very merciful. There is the feast of booze that reminded them they're just strangers passing through and they're looking for a city. So every time they'd go to the house of God, they went with purpose they went for a reason. There was a cause. They didn't just show up because it was Mother's Day or Father's Day. They didn't just show up to be seen and be heard and sing a special. No, they were going because they owed it all to God. They understood they'd been delivered. They understood God had fed them. They understood he'd walked with them. They understood he'd brought them through. And they said, every time we go, we're going to go give glory to the God that is worthy of the glory. Now listen, let me apply this and we'll get through. If the Old Testament Israelite could be that excited about going to Jerusalem, how much more should a New Testament Christian get stirred up about going to church? In John chapter 4, Jesus is talking to a woman at a well, and she said, Now, I know you think that in Jerusalem is a place we ought to worship. He said, Yeah, but the time's coming when you're not going to worship in this mountain or in Jerusalem. Can I say that time has come now? 
In Hebrews chapter number 12, it says, For you're not come into the mount that might be touched and that burned with fire, nor into blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words. So we're not traveling to Mount Sinai. We're not on our way to Mount Zion. Where are we going? Watch what he says. But ye are coming to Mount Zion spiritually and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Don't you see that we go to church gladly because Christ is our tabernacle, and Christ is our sacrifice, and Christ is our city on the hill, and Christ is our throne, and Christ is our prophet, and Christ is our priest, and Christ is our king, and Christ is our holy of holies, and Christ Christ is our altar, and Christ is our labor, and Christ is our mediator, and Christ is our bread, and Christ is our mercy, and Christ is our atonement, and Christ is our temple, and Christ is our sacred place, and Christ is our religious center. He is the head of the church. He's the foundation of the church. He's the purchaser of the church. He's the rock of the church. He's the shepherd of the church. He's the bridegroom of the church. He's the provider of the church. He's the protector of the church. He's the beloved of the church. He's the secure of the church. He's the message of the church. He's the preeminence of the church. He's the song of the church. He's the inheritance of the church. He is the joy of the church so I can rejoice and be glad in him. So when it's time to go to church on Sunday morning, I don't go to hear the pastor and I don't go just because the choir and I don't go for the Sunday school. I go because Jesus is my all in all. He's everything to me. He's Alpha and Omega. He's the great I am. He fulfilled and satisfied and brought it out and wiped away and redeemed my soul. So I go to church gladly. I don't let the ball game in the way. I don't let the lake in the way. I don't let the vacation in the way because I've been redeemed by love divine and glory, glory. Christ is mine. I don't care what happens. You say it's not perfect. Yeah, that's okay. It's full of imperfect people, but we get a perfect Christ that in all things he might have the preeminence. And that's why I'm glad to go because Jesus is the reason. Anything other than that, you'll be unfaithful. I promise you. If you go because you like the pastor or the preacher's preaching, you'll be unfaithful because every once in a while we swing and miss. If you just go for the singing, same thing. The Sunday school, same thing. The friends you have, same thing. Everything that is temporal is temporal. And it will fail you and is flawed. But why do we keep going gladly? Because Jesus. We come to commemorate Christ. We come to honor him. And let me give you quick points from the passage and I'll be through. Number one, I'm old and out of breath. Number one, he said, I want to worship. Let me give you a few reasons. He said, I want to worship at God's house. See what he says? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Wait a minute. Can't you worship at home? I guess he could, but not the way he could worship there. Well, can't you worship at a high place or in a grove? No. He said, if I'm going to worship right, I want to worship with everybody else at the house of God. And listen to this. God is omnipresent. That is true. But there's a heightened consciousness of his presence when you get in his house. 
And God has appointed and anointed the local church for where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I. He said, in the midst of them. You say, yes, but it's just a building. Yeah, and so is the hospital. But every time you get sick, you want to go there. And so is the dentist office. But every time you get a cavity, you think you better show up. Amen. Yeah, it is just a building, but it's God's building. I want to go to church. I want to worship at God's house. Number two, I want to worship in God's presence. Look at verse number two. He said, our feet shall stand within thy gates. He said, I like to worship God anywhere, but there's just something about it when I'm right there with him. You know, there's just something about it. It's one thing to show up at church and another thing to get in on church. Isn't it funny how God can show up in a service and yet in some people's hearts he never did show up? We can't depend upon each other to help us get there. You ought to just come ready. Amen. Bring, bring God with you when you, can, when you come. You do anyway. The Holy Spirit's inside of you. But you ought to just bring that presence, that, that atmosphere with you when you come. But I tell you what's good is not just when you go to church and go through the motions, but when God interrupts the motion and moves in the service. And he said, I tell you why I want to go to church, because God meets with his people there. I've seen God do pretty cool things other places, but I've never seen God do what I've seen God do in a church. I've seen God work in prayer in a private place, and I have seen that. But I've seen God do greater works in the group, of, group setting of a church. It's just true. Number three, he says this, I want to worship God in his house. I want to worship God in his presence. Number three, I want to worship God in his power. Look at verse three. Jerusalem is builded. It's established as a city that is compact together. He's talking about this city as though it's a fortified, well-designed, structured kind of a place. It's very fortified. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fortified type of a establishment. He's saying, I want to worship God in his power. If there's one thing I really believe that our generation needs to see, it is the power of God. We're trying to cover up and substitute our lack of the power of God with everything under the sun. I don't know if it's because we don't want to pay the price in prayer. I don't know what it is. I don't know why it is if he thinks it's just easier to plant the magic bean and then the beanstalk grows overnight and that's why. I don't know what it is. But I know that a lot of the things we would label as compromise, it might have even started in a pure heart that just wanted to see God move and they did it the wrong way. But can I say something tonight? Listen, you cannot substitute for the power of God. But you get a lot of believers gathered together and they have one agenda and one goal and they have one thing set before them. That's just to bring glory and honor to God's name. You better believe it. You can't stop the power of God from falling on a place like that. I still believe the sweeping power of God can move in a church. I just believe that. I believe God can empower a preacher and God can move during the song service and that God can still change lives. If I didn't believe that, then I'd just quit. I wouldn't come on Wednesday night. I wouldn't waste my time being here if I thought God was handicapped or some kind of hindered in this generation. I don't believe that. I want to worship him in his power. I don't want to be a show. I want substance. Let me give you a few more. I want to worship God with God's, I want to worship with God's people, he says. Look at verse number four. Whether the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord. Now, these people are scattered. They're in sections. They're all scattered about tribes spread everywhere. He said, but when it's time to go to the house of God, we all get to come together and we go as one. He uses that word in verse number one. He said, they said unto me, let us go. He said, how about you go and let's go to church together. 
We heard that Sunday morning. We are all members of the bodies of Christ, members in particular. But it's a beautiful thing when all the members come together in a service like this. That's why the Bible said, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. We need one another. We've come together to give God glory and praise. But here's what it is. The mutual faith, one of another, edifies and strengthens and builds up. You might not understand this, but you need, you, you might think you need me, but I need you as much or more as you need me. Your faith and your faithfulness and your prayers, we all, we all build off of each other. We all feed off of one another. And it encourages us to go to church together. You'll be a weak Christian if you isolate yourself from the crowd. There's just something about the, listen, whenever the preacher says something and you hear somebody and you think it's right, but then somebody else says amen, it has strengthened you because it just reassures you, hey, listen, that's right. Whenever the Bible's preached and God spoke to you and somebody else can share that God spoke to my heart too and here's that, it just strengthens you. Let me give you another one. I want to worship with God's people. He said, I want to worship according to God's precept. Look what it says in verse number four again. Whither the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, watch what he says though, under the testimony of Israel. He's talking about the way that it was laid out for them to go in the Old Testament. The way it was given to Moses how they should worship God even in the tabernacle. And then in verse number five, he continues that thought with sovereign decree and justice when he said, for there are set thrones of judgment. And look who is on the thrones of the house of David. He's saying this, I want to worship God in spirit, hallelujah, but I also want to worship God in truth. He's saying, I want to go to church and worship according to God's word. And I want to worship God's way. If you get out of God's word and out of God's way in your worship, then your worship is not pleasing unto the Lord. God wants it done his way according to his word. And that's why, listen, it's so important that we do everything we do by the book. You hear that statement? By the book. But if anything ought to be done in church, it ought to be done by the book when we sing and when we praise and when we preach. It's by the book. I want to worship according to his precepts. Let me give you two more. I want to worship to realize his peace. His peace. Look down further in the text. It says, pray for, the, it mentions peace three times. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love the peace of be within thy walls. Again, verse 7 at the end of uh, verse 8 really says, I will now say, peace be within thee. If you study the book of Acts, you'll find that there's a unified people there. And because there's a unified people, they're unified in prayer, they're unified in purpose, and God blesses in such a marvelous way. He is begging and pleading. He says, I'm going to pray for peace in the house of God. I want there to be, here's the word, unity in the house of God. I don't want there to be schisms in the body. I don't want there to be unrest. You can look down in verse number 9. It said, because of the house of the Lord of God, I'll seek thy good. You know what that is? Christian maturity. He's saying, for the sake of God's house, I'm going to make sure that you and I are right with one another. I'm going to seek the good of the city. I'm going to seek the good of the house of God. I'm going to seek the good of my brethren. So that God can still get glory out of what we're doing here. You know a church is such a delicate thing that you and I have got to be real careful that if we have bitterness between each other, we get that thing right in a hurry. And we ought not ever try to cause drama, say amen right there, in the house of God. We ought to be spiritual enough to lay aside our differences, understand that nobody's right all the time. And more than likely, if you think you are, then you're not. Say amen right there. And quick to apologize and forgive and go on by the grace of God. You can't do much to stop a unified church. But God can't do much in a disunified church. A church that has no unity within it. 
We have to have unity and purpose, unity and belief, unity and spirit, everything going forward. I'm going to close, but I say this on the radio all the time. In the book of Acts, they didn't have much money, really. And they didn't have any technology. But they had a lot of revival. A lot of souls getting saved. A lot of churches planted. All they had was prayer and preaching and that spirit of unity. And the power of God. And they turned the world upside down. 120 Christians turned the world upside down. I said it the other day. Now we have 120 churches in a city. The city doesn't even know they exist. Why are we glad to go to church? Because of what Christ has done for us. He is our temple. He is our sacrifice. He is our priest and prophet. All of these things. I wonder what your want to is like tonight. Do you want to worship God? There's nothing, there's nothing more fun for a preacher than to preach to a bunch of people that want to get preached to. I love it. It's addicting. I like it. You come to church and say, oh, give, me, give us the word of God. We're hungry to hear. We'll search the scripture. We want, give us the word of God. We've got to be careful to maintain that kind of an atmosphere. So people say, I'm glad when I go to the house of God. I'll tell you what's good about going to God's house is when you go and you find out he's home. Amen. That's going to have a lot to do with your spirit. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.